everybody. William Lutz here again for the Beyond the Column podcast. And we're back. Uh, we took a couple months hiatus uh, just to kind of recharge the batteries. Uh, it was uh, Halloween, I believe, was the last one we did, maybe closer to Election Day. And then uh, things got crazy. <clears throat> uh, took a, a, some time off to kind of see exactly how we were doing with the podcast. It is still going strong, believe it or not, even though we haven't put anything out for a couple months. And then in the month of December, it was uh, really thinking about what we wanted to do with this. Can we keep the schedule going? Can we do something weekly? Uh, do we add guests? How do we do this stuff? You know, How do we make it engaging and interesting for you, the listener? So we're just going to continue to keep on doing it. Uh, we're going to do our best to get something out every week. Uh, try to keep it at that 20 to 24 minute time length because uh, I have found out that is the average length of a commute in this part of the world. There are some that are shorter, some that are longer. So we're just going to keep it right there at that 20 to 24 minute uh, time frame to keep things going. And we're excited uh, to be back. A lot has happened in the last part of 2018 and we're here in 2019 and the new year means new opportunities, new possibilities, especially in something that I haven't talked about on the podcast, which is something that uh, <clears throat> I said I would and I haven't yet. That's the concept of public policy and how decisions are made and how things are going. Uh, last year was the off-year elections, which uh, means we voted on a lot of uh, state issues, um, state officials, a few local officials, but mostly all of the uh, the fun was had at the state level and also by electing members of Congress. And I'm going to spend most of the time today talking about what's happening at the corner of Broad and High Street in downtown Columbus with our new state legislature, our General Assembly, our new executive officers, because in 2018, you know, not only do we have a brand new House of Representatives, a brand new state Senate, we also have uh, a new governor, a new auditor, a new attorney general, a new secretary of state new state treasurer, all of these offices are brand new. And, and here in Miami County where I live, we have a new state representative and we have a new state senator. So really everything, at least from our little corner of the world, seems so brand new. And with this newness uh, comes some new opportunities to get some things uh, changed or possibly improve on some things. Uh, that that were done in the past. And I'm specifically referring to how uh, the state government was run over the last eight years. Now, we all know that when uh, Governor Kasich, who's got, I think, two more weeks in office, was uh, brought forward to, uh, and he swore his oath to be the next governor of the state of Ohio. There was somewhere in the neighborhood of 87 cents in the state's rainy day fund. And through some diligent work, he grew that to now it's, it's, it's back into the billions of dollars range, but talk to folks that work in local government, talk to your township trustee, your county commissioner, your city or village council person. Um, and they could make a very compelling argument that that 
rainy day fund was built entirely on the backs of local governments. And it's something that we need to talk about. It's something that we need to dig a little deeper into because what you see happening with localities, with these local governments throughout Ohio, is they're not getting the resources they need to do the things they need to do on a consistent basis. Now, for a number of years, the biggest source of resources that came from Columbus down to your local township building, county courthouse, or city hall was the local government fund. And the local government fund was created, I want to say back in the 30s. And it was, the state was realizing that it needed a new income source, but it needed partners to make it happen. So the state wanted to put forward a state income tax the cities weren't for it. The local governments weren't for it, but an agreement was made that if the revenue could be shared, um, the local governments would support the state's effort to get a statewide income tax on. And that's exactly what happened. And so for a number of years, (coughs) uh, roughly about 3.7% of all of the dollars that went into the state's general revenue fund, which is kind of like the big fund which the state uses for their discretionary spending, went into the local government fund. And those dollars were distributed between every city, village, county, and township in the state of Ohio. And there were very few strings attached to this. Um, Also, I believe libraries were funded out of this as well. So you could... You could uh, use this if you're a community to hire firefighters. You could fill potholes. Um, you could buy police cruisers. You could do, do darn near anything you wanted with these dollars. But between 2007 and 2017, the amount in the local government fund was cut from $674 million a year to about $350 million a year. Because that percentage of 3.7% was cut down to 1.7%. So you've got a situation where over $350 million a year was being cut from local governments and basically put back into the state coffers. Now, a lot of people will argue that it's really interesting how conservative Republicans did this because many conservative Republicans will argue that the government that governs closest to the people is the best government for the people around because that's where people have the most direct impact in how their communities, um, or how basically any form of government is impacting their life. You know, if you've got a problem with your city or your village or your township or your county, odds are um, you know the people that are making those decisions. Um, odds are you can go to a public meeting, have your uh, issues addressed. 
um, you will be heard. Democracy works better on the local level. You know the players, you know the issues. It's it's all right there. Well, the state in the conservative Republicans that run the state have given the attitude that the government in Columbus knows how to better govern. And that is sometimes very hard to live with, especially when you've got um, dollars that are being used to pad a rainy day fund that could be used to literally fix potholes on the streets. And you have communities that are already stretched thin, uh, communities that may not have enjoyed the economic prosperity other communities have that are struggling to meet their basic needs and the resources that they had coming in coming from Columbus to meet those basic needs have basically gone away. And it's just very, very difficult to, to run and manage these communities. And it's not that you don't want to do things. It's just, you don't have uh, the ability to do it. And the problem is, is that there are so many of these communities in Ohio um, that are being left behind. Um, here in Miami County, Ohio, you can go through multiple, multiple communities of anywhere of less than a thousand people. You know, these are these are villages, and they are just a shadow of what they once were. And, and it's difficult. It's difficult for these communities um, to provide a quality of life that their residents uh, expect, um, given the lack of resources they have. But it's it's even more than just kind of the dollars and cents of it. You know, um, one of the strong aspects of government we have here in Ohio is this concept called home rule. And home rule basically allows villages and cities to make their own rules, to set their own standards, set their own guidelines, as long as they're not in conflict with the state law. And this is, this is codified in the state constitution. If you look at section three, article 18, it says municipalities shall have the authority to exercise all powers of local self-government and to adopt and enforce within their limits such local police, sanitary, and other similar regulations as are not in conflict with general laws. So, so basically... What the state constitution is saying is that local governments have the ability to set laws for their own community as long as it's not in conflict uh, with laws of the state. And again, you know, this gives uh, the ability for local governments to understand and to meet their own needs of their own community to do the things that they need to do. Um, to provide a quality of life for their residents. And you see so many times where the state, um, i.e. policymakers in Columbus, 
are trying to trample on the ability of these communities to make decisions for their own selves. And let's take a look at, at some of some examples of how that's happened in the past. Um, you know, not too long ago in the last lame duck session of the general assembly, uh, the state legislature banned the ability of Ohio's communities to levy a plastic bag tax. Now, this is something that has happened in other communities throughout the country. Uh, it is seen as kind of an anti-litter um, measure, but, uh, you know, an extra 10 cents a bag and those monies go back to the community to help with uh, solid waste control or things of that nature. Now, you have to understand that absolutely no community in Ohio has a plastic bag tax. No community in Ohio is even considering a plastic bag tax. This was not a pressing issue that needed to be resolved. But the state legislature, in their infinite wisdom, felt that this was such an issue uh, that they dedicated time, effort, and energy to ensure that no community in Ohio could ever put forward a plastic bag tax. Um, you know, another thing that has happened is that um, the state has been trying for years to do centralized income tax collection for communities. So when you have to pay your uh, city income tax or your village income tax to your local community, you can't go to city hall or village hall uh, to pay and have those dollars collected there. Uh, You get to send your money to Columbus. And the problem is, is that Columbus takes their cut and they give the remainder to uh, the community. So, you know, it's a way for the state to generate revenue that is always expected to go back to the community. And it's frustrating because even some of the businesses that are, are using that have the option to have their income taxes centrally collected through, through the kind of this, this state internet portal, you know, the reports are that the portal's not user friendly. Uh, The reports are that the disbursements back to communities are not being happy. They're not, they're not happening in a timely manner. It's just a very, very, very um, haphazard and unorganized process. And the cities and the villages are like, hey, we've never had a problem before. Um, we're providing a service to our constituents in which the constituents, uh, of course, they don't like to pay taxes, but we're trying to make it as easy as possible on our constituents as possible. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're not allowing our communities to take up the measures that help them do the best job that they can. And, you know, the the thing about the home rule, the thing about local government is that we're, we're in effect creating battles where there don't need to be battles. Um, 
I think if you would talk to folks with like the Ohio Mayor's Alliance, the Ohio Municipal League, they would say the last few years have been tough on uh, cities and villages in the state of Ohio. Uh, because again, there is this thought that um, Ohio's communities are not well run or or there's just this feeling like cities and villages are like these bastions of waste, fraud, and abuse for the taxpayer. And, and, and the problem is nothing could be further from the truth. Now, yes, there are many times where large communities end up having a lot of folks live there that are um, individuals which might collect welfare. They might collect public assistance. You know, there's these horrible stereotypes about folks um, and they live in, 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 and we, we see it that they live in cities and it's just, it's horrible and it's frustrating on so many levels because the problem is, is that poverty is not as concentrated in cities as we think it is. Is it concentrated here? Yes. But poverty is also concentrated in other communities around the state as well. And that is a story that isn't always told. You know, we see it here at, at, at the, the place that I work. We have a significant portion of our population here in Miami County, which is a rural county of about 106,000 people that live in poverty. You know, we'll get over 20,000 visits to our food pantry from individuals that are living in poverty. Um, the issue is, is that poverty does not know whether it's urban or rural. Either environment can have folks in poverty living in it. And just because you're in an urban environment does not mean that you are more likely to be, be impoverished, nor is it more likely that you're supposed that you, that you will have uh, incidents of waste, fraud, fraud, and abuse. But yet, it's the cities that are always seen as harboring waste, fraud, and abuse, or harboring folks in poverty, and it's just wrong. Especially when the opposite is true. It is in Ohio's cities where um, communities, where, where basically the state's economic engines are in Ohio's cities and villages. This is where companies come to locate. This is where companies grow. Uh, this is where uh, the younger demographic that the state is always coveting. That's where they live. And, and, you know, I know for myself what I would like to see from our new General Assembly and our new governor and our new elected officials is a repairing of the relationship between our cities and our state. Now, that's hard to do because you do have folks in the General Assembly who, just the way the districts are are kind of created do tend to come from more rural areas. Um, the individuals that, that run um, 
these communities are coming from more rural, uh, the that run the power structures in the general assembly like the the state house and the state senate they do tend to come from more rural areas and you know our governor uh comes from rural green county <clears throat> so I, I hope that we can see a change in that behavior uh, some of the attitudes towards cities and villages as we move on here um, in 2019. And so there's just my perspective on where we stand in terms of local government, state government, how that relationship is. Will that relationship uh, continue to move forward? Will it continue to be strained? We'll just see what happens. Um, would love to hear your imp- your input on this. Feel free to give us a tweet at Beyond the Column Podcast. Uh, send us an email, uh, Beyond the Column Podcast at gmail.com. I'm William Lutz. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.